Even flow. Oh, we're podcasting. Look, we've started. Even flow. Even flow. Even flow. Pearl Jam album. Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam song on their first album. Pearl Jam sucks. Ah, you're insane. Any, well, anyway, what I was saying. Well, wait, wait. First of all, off, off. Oh, off. welcome to uh, in the closet well, with we ha- Michael Schultz and Angie Runyon. Before we start, we were talking about Paris and London and our ventures in those areas, which I've never been. Jeff claims that he could speak French fluently when he was I in didn't Africa. Say <laughs> fluently. I never said fluently. I like the fact that he threw out the Cote d'Ivoire instead of the Ivory Coast. Yeah. Cote d'Ivoire, the Ivory Coast. That's what it. That's what it's called. Cote d'Ivoire. That's that's. Do you what see how I put it. that little accent Cote on d'Ivoire. there? And uh, it was in where? Where? What was the country? No, that was the country. What was the city? I don't know. I was. It was ninety six. It was a long time ago. Anyway, I spent a summer there with my uncle. Could you really a, speak French? I could speak it. They made you speak it, like he's talking about. It's like everywhere you went. And so my cousins were very fluent. Voulez-vous que j'ai avec moi? And I would say. How do I how do I ask for that or how do I and you know when you're there the first week you don't you stumble through everything but then you learn just key phrases. Can you say my name is Jeff? My, my name is Jeff. No, I can't say Jean anything now. See, that's what I was getting out. Great, you can speak French. I don't know anything you're saying. All I knew is I knew how to go but down. At one time in my life, I could speak it. <laughs> Literally, that's what's crazy about your brain. Like I, I was there and it was repetitive and I didn't learn a. There were, it, I didn't have a huge vocabulary, but I had enough of one where I was comfortable communicating with people a little bit. And then I come back here, and months later, I can't remember any of it. It's like it, it left me so quickly. French is a hard language, Because if you like. don't use it every day, but they did. They spoke it to each other. My cousins even did. You know I, what I mean? They all spoke it. Well, yeah, they lived there all the time. Maybe. Right. But I, I took French in middle school and the beginning of high school. And I had to have a tutor, and I still failed. I didn't fail. I think I got a D. It's hard language. Do you know French at all, Michael, other than what you just mumbled? I really don't. And I have come to believe that learning foreign languages is a talent. Yeah. Much like anything mm-hmm. else. And it's not simply a matter of studying. Yeah. Because I think that, obviously, anytime you pick up a second language, there's studying that has to take place Mm -hmm. but for some people it comes so easily and for others i mean i took enough spanish that i probably should be able to speak spanish very eloquently and at least read it and understand it if not write it and and i can't yeah i'm just in the few times in my life i've traveled to a foreign country i have done some tapes Mm -hmm. in order to get crucial words or phrases Mm -hmm that I can bumble through so that when I'm there, I project an aura of respect for, and I'm trying. Right. So that the natives, and this is especially true in Paris, because I've been in Paris, if you don't try to speak French, they're like, screw you. Well, I can respect that. I'm not going to be helpful. I can respect that. But if you at least attempt, they'll be like, okay, you tried. I respect that. I respect that because I'll help you. I'm that way with people who are here from other countries. You're not very woke. I never claimed to be. Um, and I, I get it. I get frustrated when, okay. So for instance, you guys, maybe, you know, cause I know you've gotten a pedicure. I don't know if you've ever been to salon. salon. A lot of them are Asian, right? Salons. Like when you get a pedicure, and this is, I'm admittedly a generalization that has lots and lots of exceptions, but around here where we are seems to be a lot of Vietnamese. Well, that's what I mean. Okay. So Vietnamese uh, what, natives or immigrants who open. Yeah. Well, nail shops. I get very upset and frustrated when they speak, when they're doing my toes to each other in their own language, because I don't know if they're talking about me. It's they very are. uncomfortable. They definitely so when are. you're in America and you're working hard, they should speak to each other as well in English. That's just my opinion. Why? Because I just the same reason why you said when you're in France, they frown upon you not trying to speak their language. Do they speak to you in English? Yeah, but I mean, they're speaking like... Are they polite to you? Well, I, I, not that one place I had to leave. No, they're kind of rude. They're like, do you have a tip in cash? You don't have cash? 
No, I don't have cash. <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't want to report it. Right. They don't want to report so, it. So I don't know. I mean, maybe. Bring cash. You know, they, maybe they told you to bring cash they next time. They learned the American economics. That's right. Well, she was yeah. so rude about it that I did go back one more time and I on purpose did not bring cash because you could have asked me nicely. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, I guess it is a little bit different from what you're saying in France and about what I'm talking about. I just think that it's kind of. It, it's uncomfortable for customers because you don't know if they're talking about it. They could be totally talking about you, and they probably are. You should walk down the street sometime in our nation's capital. Everybody's foreign, right? Oh, yeah, well, I'm sure. But tell wasn't the Atlanta. that I've been in this country, all the cities that I've been, Washington, D.C. is by far and away the one place where I can walk down a street and just hear a multitude of languages and not understand anybody. And I'm yeah. not, that's not a judgment base. I'm not saying it's no. bad, but it's just, it's a fact. Right. That's what America is. You know, it's the, it's the land pot. of the free. It's a melting pot. Yeah. A melting pot that the heat seems to have been turned down lately and uh, a whole yeah. lot of melting going on. <laughs> I tell you what, the French language must be tough because I know my uncle and his family, they, before they went to the field in the mission field, they had to live for one year in France, and it was basically just to learn the language. So they had to live with the people, and they had to take lessons, and they had to learn how to speak French. So they would be fluent once they moved to Africa, which I never knew until I went there that it was majority of the countries are French-speaking nations in Africa. I would love to be able to speak a different Wait, language. A lot, of the, a lot of the countries are not French. Majority. Maybe not speaking majority, but a lot of them. A lot of the countries. It was shocking that any of them were French speaking, but I was. But I guess there are several that are French speaking. Yeah, there are a number. In that yeah, there's a lot of countries in Africa. So for to say the majority's not definitely not right because there are a lot. There's a, it's a huge. Jeff likes to throw out extra words here and there that dramatically change the sentence, yes, but he feels like they don't. <laughs> well, you know, I don't. I don't expect people to be so nitpicky. You know what I mean? I'm well, just talking. the reason I say that is because. <laughs> Unfortunately for you, number one, I've read a book about the colonization of the African continent. That is unfortunate. So, Not for me. I didn't know, read it. I kind of understand the extent to which the French had colonies in the African continent, and it was not the majority of the continent. Okay. I stand two, corrected. The one I went to was. You know what a geek I am and what a history geek I am. I actually today, driving back from Wheeling, listened to a podcast. It was a British broadcasting corporation. BBC broadcast yes. or documentary yeah. podcast about Algiers, Algeria. Really? Which was a French colony until there was an incredibly bloody conflict in the 1950s, early 60s, that established the independence of Algeria. Mm -hmm. They were talking about how that still kind of cast a shadow on French politics because as we are recording this, I believe it's tomorrow. Maybe next week. I thought it's tomorrow. There's a there's an election in France, and you have everybody knows the that. sitting president Macron, who's been very prominent in the news lately because he keeps talking to Putin. Uh, he is being opposed a by a woman named Le Pen, who is Le Pen and Le Pen. Pardon? What was his name? Her name is Le Pen. Yeah, but interesting you say him because in this document, and she is a far-right nationalist and the reason this has come up and I think why they did this documentary and podcast was because there was a very prominent Algerian rebel who mm -hmm. was leading the nationalist cause against the French who was brutally brutally mutilated and murdered in front of his family in in Algiers and one of this guy's sons one of the French legionnaire soldiers that came, paratrooper that came, dropped his knife. And his son just hid this knife, just decided to hide the knife oh, wow. in an electrical box. Oh. And like two or three times after this murder, the French soldiers came back and like ran, took the place apart. Right. And the guy said, the son, who's obviously now very grown, said, I knew what they were looking for. Because on this knife, on the handle, had the name and the the unit of the French shoulders or soldiers. Oh, really? 
it was Le Pen's father. Oh, wow. Who became a politician in France in the 70s and 80s. And very conservative, right-wing nationalist, anti-immigrant, etc. Huh. And so this has come back because they tried to get that. And they eventually were successful. It's actually a fascinating tale, getting that knife into France in order to discredit Le Pen's father on the national political stage in wow. France. But now it's become an issue because his daughter is running is running against Macron and it's going to be, it's kind Interesting. of a nip and tuck. And Algeria, so anyway, Algiers, Algeria, very French. And, and the, the French have a very special tie to Algeria because they considered it part of France, not a colony, but they actually considered it a part of France. And the French actually huh. said it's not a civil war. Kind of like Russia mm. considers everything a part of yeah, Russia. Well, yeah. kind of the same thing. A uh, little known fact, well, little unknown fact. I know this fact, but you guys probably don't. And it is that algebra was invented in Algeria. Not many people know that. Do we know this for sure? Is this they a named fact? it after Algeria. Is this a Twitter but fact? They changed Sir, where, it did you, a where did you get this? So invented. <laughs> Algebra. Fat, right here on this podcast. Where, okay, I will ask again. Where did you come up with this fact? I just know it in my heart. Oh, dear Lord, help us. Are you just, kidding me? I just know it in my heart. And it makes sense to me in my mind. It came to me while we were having this podcast. So you, in fact, do not know that it is actual fact. I haven't checked it out you can't go, on you the internet. That. I did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I you do all the I time. Really, I can't you, really... You can't really back it you up with anything. You make things up and you say it's a fact, and it in fact is not a fact, sir. It sounds like a fact. It sounds like it really fits well. Oh, dear Lord, help me. Here's what else he said tonight. Are you looking something up, Michael? Yeah, because I just don't even know how, if we have enough time <laughs> in this two-hour podcast <laughs> to describe all the ways in which you're wrong. Oh. <laughs> right? Am I right? <laughs> I took a stab at it. Actually, the name comes from a medieval Persian mathematician. I knew that algebra... He was a refugee from Algeria. Oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> keep, keep trying. <laughs> but while you're trying, stop talking. No, I knew that the, during the Middle Ages, Arab, the Arab world mathematics incredibly advanced like more advanced than europeans in mathematics wow so again another subject i'm terrible I believe in. foreign him. language and i math. believe him. are you good at math michael uh i one of the one of the themes of my life is i was told there would be no math okay whenever yeah. i have to do math i was told there would be no okay. Okay. i don't I get, it. I get that i like calculators math but i'm wouldn't say i'm great at it i'm horrible i have a daughter who's really good at it really loves it i'm not oh, one more thing about my africa trip because you're a catholic right you're like here, here's something that blew me away i got to visit the basilica people could see you standing up and looking down on me with your finger pointing <laughs> you're a catholic <laughs> No, we went and we visited the basilica, the replica of the basilica. Is basilica? It was in. I have to look it up. It was. It was not far from Cote d'Ivoire or from the city we're in. We're in a. This, it, I can't think of exactly where it was, but it was in Africa, obviously. But it was a replica, a, a, a replica of one of the which basilica. God, there's more than one basilica. Oh my goodness! It's the baddest basilica of them all. You it know, was a replica. One. It was a replica. It was insane. It Probably almost it, it made me think. Gosh, this is insane. I want to be Catholic. It's probably the Basilica of Saint. It was gorgeous, overwhelming. Like it was an overwhelming experience. What they'd put into it. Were there nuns there? I can't go. There's all kinds of people there. Why can't you go if there are nuns? You don't know. I'm afraid she of nuns. She has a nun problem. I am a petrified of nuns. Uh, and we when saw I say, a midget nun. Can you say midget? A I, little nun in sure New York City. It was the awesomest thing so ever. I, have I told you the stories about Sister Verena and Sister Patricia and Sister Rita? No, I don't. Ooh, tell I me all about this. No. Catholic grade school? No. Oh I Listen, it stems way back. I've told the story before, but just, in, just a real quick version is I had reoccurring nightmares 
and involved nuns. And I mean, it was to the point where my parents was that bad. They were reoccurring. They were the same ones. I would wake up very violent, throwing things in the middle of my floor because I thought that she was there. If I saw a nun in public, which we lived in like the Cincinnati area at the time, Kentucky, Covington area, there were some Catholic churches and schools nearby. So it wouldn't be odd for you to see a nun just kind of out and about. Like it's not very common here. But it, it was pretty common there. When I would see a nun out in public, I would literally lose myself. Like, could not control it. Shake, cry, freak out. Was there an incident in your life? Not that I nuns? know of. Not that I know There's of. There's a suppressed incident that you you need to go yeah. to counseling and have it brought I mean, to the, the surface. I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, and it was a real fear. Like, people laugh when they hear it, but like... It's not as bad now. I can contain myself. I get like when we went to New York a few years ago, it was like five or six years ago. We stayed across the street from what's the Catholic. um, Oh, it's a famous. St. George. It's gorgeous. The people in and out all day long. In Manhattan? Yeah. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Okay, so we we stayed stayed right across. Right across the street from it. In the, uh, God, that hotel was nice. And uh, so when I. What is it? It might have been. It might be. I think it's St. Paul's. But whenever, so this was a few years ago. So when we stayed there and I saw them, I was visiting. I I was shaken. But you wanted to get out of there as quickly as possible. I was shaken. So anyway, people laugh when they hear it, but it it was a very, and it still is actually a very real fear. So yes, it's a very real fear. Um, And it was so known back in middle school that when I was in eighth grade, everybody knew about it. And my friend, my very good friend, he is back when we could dress up for Halloween. He got most of the school to dress up as a nun. Virgil? Yeah. Wow. Sounds That's right. Bitter. That's good stuff. <laughs> so anyway, um, what was my point of telling you that? I don't even remember. We just got into Catholic talk. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. Sister Basilica. Verena, Sister Verena, I think I had in first grade, she had the worst breath. Really? I mean, just... One of those knee buckling. I don't understand it. Could you describe it? Smell like what did it smell like? Rancid coffee, which in retrospect it may have just been coffee. But my favorite was Sister Sister Rita. Rita. Sister Rita, who uh, wore an an ill. She wore a wig that was not really well concealed oh okay and she would find kids so if you were doing something wrong uh mr Sh- mr runyon that'll be 25 cents mr mm. schultz that'll be 50 cents Really. and one time she fined me for something that i thought was absolutely unjust i didn't do it she accused me of doing something and i'm like i didn't do it did you talk back to her I did a little bit. Ooh. Although I have some stories. I wouldn't dare. So I had a 50 cent fine. So with, you know, God bless my mother, my mother's permission, who in retrospect, she let me be me a little bit more than I think my older brother and sister. We tend to do that. I got a money order for 50 cents. That's amazing. That's fantastic. (laughs) I then took the money order. I glued it on. You've always been an asshole. That I cut out with a a saw. I stained the wood really nice, glued the money order on it, then shellacked it. No. With a nice finish. And I presented it to Sister Rita the next day. What did she say? Did she la- Did she have she a sense of humor, or said, did she? Uh, Mr. Schultz, this is not acceptable. That's what I figured happened. Yeah. And I never. They've got to be beat. so uptight. Later, I learned she was an alcoholic. Oh. How did she f- pay for her habit? <gasps> By finding the I children. I respect that. Find That's some the game kids. right there. That is a good game. So. God. I cut it off. For me personally, I cut it off because I rebelled. That's amazing. <laughs> Could you imagine? That's it right there. What are you showing, Michael? The Basilica of Our Lady of Peace. Oh, Basilica Notre Dame de la Bar. Exactly. Beautiful. It was incredible. You're showing me a picture of that in, uh, how do you pronounce the administrative cap- capital? The administrative. You must succor. Yeah. You must occur. It's gorgeous. 
Yeah, I got to tell you, you, you know, and I am Catholic, and I have my problems with my own church. I have my issues with my own church. But one thing we did, we built some beautiful cathedrals and basilicas. Oh yeah, we went you did in. Beautiful arch, we, just so gorgeous art. The one across the from whatever you said it was across from the the hotel hotel lot to L O T T. I don't know whatever it is. It's, You'd it's, probably cure homeless sure homelessness with that money. In Saint Paul. Okay, so even though I was petrified to go in there, I felt like I had to because of that very fact that Catholic churches and cathedrals are just breathtaking, grandiose, grandiose. They're kind of, but but they're low key eerie to me. So we did go in quickly. We did. I did not see a nun, so we crossed through and out the other side until we left, and then we left, and then I was in a nun freaking sandwich. It was not a comfortable place to be. So, anyway. It is Church of St. Paul the Apostle. St. Paul? Yeah. It's like gray. Yep. Yeah. And it it's a beautiful, beautiful. It really is. It was is. amazing. Yeah, it was really cool. It's just, it, it, but uh, do you find that Catholic churches are a little bit eerie, though? Maybe you don't because you're Catholic. Um, but I find them eerie. We have there, to say it that way from now on, by the way. There are two parts to it. Okay. For instance... We live in Charleston, West Virginia, and there is a beautiful, uh, it's actually a co-cathedral, they call it, of, of Sacred Heart, Sacred mm-hmm. Heart Co-Cathedral downtown. And you walk in and it's grandiose, it's big, it's majestic, it is, it is beautiful in the European sense of the word, mm-hmm. and I hate attending mass there. Why? I actually don't, and I have never belonged, because it's. I find it for a religious service to be cold and impersonal, mm-hmm. and the acoustics are horrible because it's so vast. Mm-hmm. I mean, just noise disappears and reverberates, and it's like being in a huge cavern. Mm-hmm. So it's not very warm atmosphere. Correct, and so yeah. the church, the Catholic church I go to in South Charleston, called Blessed Sacrament, is. Is that where you go? Yeah. It's a, it is night and day. It's mm-hmm. where Gerald goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a beautiful. I've heard it's fantastic. Beautiful worship space. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very pretty. And we have, uh, about 10, 12 years ago, we commissioned some stained glass windows. It's so much more intimate and warm mm-hmm. as an environment, even before you introduce the people, mm-hmm. that, you know, I've been to masses in some of these cathedrals or basilicas, and it's a, frankly, it's a pretty cold. Mm, mm-hmm. I've been to I don't some want to Catholic say indifferent service. experience, but it is nothing like I have this. It's the same same damn mass. Mm-hmm. I mean, Catholic Church steeped in tradition. It's got to be the same. In mm-hmm. so you can transplant that same thing with the same words being spoken into a warm, inviting, more intimate atmosphere, and it's a much different experience. They, Hugely different experience. My dad was Catholic. Um, and when my parents were divorced, I he would go to Mass sometimes and I would go with him. I've been a handful of times. I can't say I've been a bunch. But every single time I've cold feeling. So maybe it's that. Maybe it's, it was the build. I don't know. I've, I, but I've left feeling like. But maybe it's because it's out of my comfort zone. Yeah, and it's so ritualistic. I remember. You know. Because before you knew me, I was extremely extremely reverent religious I always had I was just a sense of humor that wasn't so on color but when we when I was in college I remember I was I was a religion major and then I went to religion minor but I still had the course where I had to like find all these different religions and attend their services like it could be seventh-day Adventist it could be Catholic service. so we went to the Catholic and I'm I was always big like I get emotionally when it comes to communion, I get emotionally invested. I zone out. I get emotionally invested in it. And we go to the service at the Catholic church, and they call for communion. And I get up, and she grabs me. And she's like, you can't take communion. And I was like, what are you talking about? This is this is good. I want to I wanna take communion. And she's like, no, you can't. You're not Catholic. I'm like, What? So, it blew my mind. I'm like, so what about Jesus? Jesus is like, hey, you, you got to be in the club first, bro. <laughs> so, 
similar to other big major religions, there can be different viewpoints yeah. within religions, including the Catholic Church. You have liberal mm -hmm. viewpoints. Sure, yeah. And you have very conservative to the you know, ultra conservative. Uh, I was educated in high school by the Jesuits and the Pope currently happens to be a Jesuit. Uh, Jesuits have been around for a long time. I mean, we're talking, I don't think it's been quite a thousand years, but throughout the Middle Ages, there were Jesuits. When you say Jesuits, all I think of is willing Jesuit. I was just thinking the same thing. Right. Willing Jesuit? Well, University, yeah. your future begins. Right? right, although it's now actually not willing Jesuit. It's now willing university. Hmm. Jesuits stopped running a couple years ago. Oh, okay. Huh. Um, but the Jesuits on the spectrum, the Jesuits are, are very liberal. They're on the liberal end of the spectrum. So I was educated. High school is a pretty formative time for all of us. Mm -hmm. In time when we, you know, our moral compass very and our values so. are very much yes. formed. So the Jesuits, I have always said the Jesuits kind of form my moral compass and my value system. They're to blame. So they're to saying. blame. Okay, just making sure. So when I was married, uh -huh. my wife was not going to convert to I'll Catholicism. Say, my first wife was not going to convert to Catholicism. <laughs> But we got married in the Cathedral of the Assumption in Louisville, which is where she was from, and it had just been renovated. So it was an absolutely gorgeous cathedral. But we were very concerned about being inclusive. <laughs> right. Because her side of the family was not Catholic. Well, one of my best friends from high school, Father Sazama, married us. And expressing this to her, there is a and this is what drives me crazy about the Catholic Church, there are special occasions at which non-Catholics can receive the host communion. Okay. It's not well publicized. Right. And Father Sazama had to fight with the pastor of the cathedral to allow this to happen at our marriage, but it did. At our wedding, it did. It's like... We're not that bad or doctrinal, mm -hmm. right? If you f you have to fight for it, because people think the Catholics are so rigid and uncompromising, and it's like, man, like your po the Pope is always right, correct? That's right. one thing. Like, oh, the Pope's always right. You have to believe everything the Pope says is is the right. truth. It's like, no, that's actually number one. It's a doctrine. It's a doctrine that was formulated by human beings. Correct. This so goes. This, by the way, this is every religion. It's just more because yours is steeped in tradition, correct. so it's more emphasized. The Catholic Church. You can get into this stuff in any church but setting. It's, the, it's called the doctrine of infallibility, and it has to be invoked. And since it's been around, you know how many times it's been invoked? Twice. Two times. Wow. That's it. So this whole idea of everything you have to follow everything the. Pope is done because he's infallible. No, that's not true. Right, it's just not true. Right. But these you know, extremists, these, the the kind yeah, of the, these the, things, the, just gain a life of their, right. their own. It's mm -hmm. like, uh. yeah. One of you, when you said that, it reminded me because my grandfather, who was a pastor of our church for fifty years, he would do joint when there'd be a Catholic spouse and a you know a Protestant spouse. He would do a joint. I remember him and. I forget the name of the the long-standing got Sacred Heart, um, oh, the fa yeah. father. father they would do joint, and he'd do it with any. He'd be one of the Protestant pastors that would do the joint, and then he'd, you know, administer communion for. But so, he would do that for, which some people had a problem with, and some didn't. You know, it's just, right in in Charleston, they have this council of like inter interfaith council, right? That gets gets together every once in a year, and I know my my parish priest who's going to be retiring soon and is just it's got me so depressed because he is oh you told me that he is you told us so that, yeah. unbelievably wonderful i mean so good uh but he attends these and i it's 
You know, it's fascinating because, and you, you're the one who studied it formally. The thing about organized religion is they share, and, and I'm talking not just the Muslim or various Christian faiths, but also across major religions, Muslim, Absolutely. Jewish, Christian, etc., the amount that they share and the concepts and principles that they share is astounding. Absolutely. It's absolutely astounding. Yeah, they definitely weave in and out. I mean, from Buddhism to Hinduism to Muslims, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that when you get into the weeds, it, it's you go, wow, that's what we believe. It's just worded differently. So, yeah, that is fascinating. That they, and and actually on a level of like watching ministers, you would think they would be opposed to being friends or, or getting into conversations about that stuff with, I know my grandfather was friends with Muslim, I know they're not priests, I don't know what they're called, but leaders of the Muslim church, people. Months. Yeah, I mean, he was friends with all those guys. Well, they why would, wouldn't you be there? Yeah, but you, you would comment, you would think you wouldn't be you would think my my way's the right way. Well, you may think that way, but I mean, if you're mature enough, you're going to know you may think your way's the right way. But right. Like, well, you should be able to have a conversation. You with should. Somebody and I who think I always should. I was impressed with that, but it's it's amazing. But even in our own church, people don't do that. I know, so, but that's which what's is sad. insane. Let me tell you. Let me tell you a story about when I was confirmed in the Catholic Church. The sacrament of confirmation is when you become an adult in the church. You consider an adult, and the time of that has kind of moved historically. Right. From eighth grade into high school. And when I did it, it was eighth grade. So I was confirmed in the eighth grade. Well, I was going, no, I'm sorry. I take that back. I was confirmed when I was a junior in high school because I went to a Jesuit high school, but I still had to take the preparatory classes with all the kids who went to the public high schools. And I'm like, what am I doing this for? Because I have theology five days a week as a class at my high school, but I had to take it. It's kind of like your bar mitzvah. Yeah, exactly. So there was this nun, just watching Angie freak out. Yeah, <laughs> squirm over here. There was this nun who was teaching one class, and she made the statement, and I'm paraphrasing, that non-Catholics go to hell. Mm. And I kind of, like, from my stupor was like, wait, what? She said, well, non-Catholics, they go to hell. I said, no, they don't. That's absolutely false. Oh, he stood up to nuns. Yeah, because I'm like, this is bullshit. What does she say? Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. She tussled a little bit, but what it resulted in was discussion on whether I was going to get confirmed or not. Oh. And <laughs> this is an honest to God true story. So I went... I got confirmed and at, at my church, which I didn't like growing up, St. Monica, because it was one of those big kind of gray marble and personal places. But we had to go and kneel, and when you're confirmed, you have a sponsor, somebody who sponsors you. And I had my older brother and my older sister sponsor me. So I, what you do is you, we all kneeled in, at the front of this church, and the archbishop would come by and place his hand on you, say a prayer, and you're confirmed. And your sponsor is behind you with his or her hand on your shoulder. So I kneel down, a brother and sister behind me, and you have a confirmation name. You pick a confirmation name of a saint mm -hmm. who you would mind. Mine was St. Christopher. So the archbishop said, what's your confirmation name? I said, Christopher, what's your name? Michael Schultz. Oh, you're the one. Oh no! <laughs> and my brother and sister, who really were not like, didn't know right the background. My what mom was knew. going on. Yeah. Afterwards, they're like, "Why <laughs> is the archbishop looking at you and saying, oh, you're the one?'" That's funny. <laughs> oh, you're the one who is calling, causing the shit storm. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like, talking back to the nun and saying BS on non-Catholics going to that hell. That is too funny. I'm like, man. No. 
Jesuits think that's nonsense. Yeah. Well, nonsense. most people should, and that's the sad thing about leadership is they can set the tone for impressionable minds and create a divide instead of the opposite of what Christianity is supposed to be, and that's acceptance. And I actually took a, a picture. I thought it was a great button I found in Portland, and I took a picture of it, sent it to my, my priest, and it was, it was Jesus on the mount talking to the disciples. And the, the bubble of what Jesus was saying was, now listen carefully. I don't want four versions of this. <laughs> that's so true. That's great. <laughs> that's that's great. fantastic. That is yeah, so funny. That's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> I like that. That's very, it's, that. It's, it's very true. That's, that's why. Dead on. That's why I'm not like, I. When, when somebody asks me if I'm religious, no, I'm really not. I'm not. I'm spiritual. I'm not religious, right? So I don't like. I we used to go to church every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday nights. I mean, it was all that kind of thing. But revivals, the, yeah. But that was when I, you know, there for a long time didn't have a choice because my mom told me I had to go. Did I enjoy going? Yeah, I, mean, I guess I did. But whenever we graduated from college, um, which we went to a, a, a Nazarene college, um. And got out into the world on our own, and we're able chapel to think, every day at ten. Able to think on our own, I got away from like wanting to go through the motions, right? Of religion, which we still and did up until we did, yeah. but it bothered me. Right. So we stopped going to church, but that does it. Yeah, I mean, I guess I got away from being spiritual as well for a long time. For a very long time, actually, only because it's out of habit, not because it's out of me rebelling or not believing or being upset or mad or anything like that. Um, it's just that I just, it just it escaped me. But here recently, um, I found it again. And I, so I get up every morning and I, I pray for everybody in my family and anybody I think that I need to pray for. And then I, I like do a devotional and whatever. And I feel so very connected. I feel more connected and more at peace now than I did when I was going through the motions of religion, if that makes sense. Yeah. It does make sense. Yeah. So I think so, you're doing it, you're, you're kind of rebooting, you're doing it for you and for your relationship right. with Christ. Instead of, I think a lot of times that's what gets in the way is when you're, when you're in a crowd a lot of times your motivations aren't right. You're, well, you're, mean, you're doing it for other people. You're doing it the way to be yeah, seen. You're doing like it you're because, doing you know it. what? This is what we do, and these boxes need to be checked, and you need to serve here, and you need to And you're doing do it on this. a Sunday, and you're doing it on a Wednesday at this time. Well, I don't... <laughs> I don't want to do it at that time. I have a radio. I have a radio you know I mean? show. Like at that I time. want to do it on my. I want to do it when I feel like I want to do it. Yeah, you and me both. Uh, which I am so excited about tomorrow. I'm pumped too. It's going to be fun. Person, but uh, so on that on that note, what you just said, and I know Jeff, you formally in an academic sense studied religions. What? At the end of the day, what is a religion supposed to be about for an individual? What is it? What is an individual supposed to think or feel about their God or deity or the religious beliefs they have? And that ties in with kind of what you just mm -hmm. said. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I again, I don't feel like, I mean, I guess I, I, I have a religion. Obviously, I'm a Christian. That's a religion. It's a belief system, I suppose. Yeah, but, it adds some formality to it. I mean, I guess, but I, I again, it's more of a, I don't know. I a mean, personal relationship. it's more of a spiritual thing, like what happens inside of me, not what happens that everybody else can see. You know, one thing that really bothers me and I've said this before, and I'll say it again. And I, I'm really on the edge of like wanting to talk to a pastor of our church and say this is one reason why I don't come into this building. They take role at church, and I really get upset about that. And my mom is a participant of a role taker, and it bothers me. Okay, again, I get the I get the reasoning behind counting how many people are in church because you want to see if your church is growing. Cool. I'll be number seventeen. But I don't need to have my name 
on a piece of paper with the, the Sundays of the year and the check marks off. That's bull crap. That's the part of religion practices in our particular church that I think is horrible. And I also get ticked off when you don't come to church and then you show up and they're like, oh, we've been missing you. We've been praying for you. I don't. Cool. You didn't miss me. You're being nosy and you want to know where I've been and you want to call me out that I haven't been there the past X amount of Sundays. So it just stuff like that turns me off to religion. And I don't like the you got to do this and this and this and this and this, which drives me crazy. Like, I don't want to sing verses number one, two, and four of the song and the chorus. And then, oh, nobody went to the altar. We don't feel like it's been long enough. Let's sing it again. I don't, I don't want to do all that. I want to do it. What I feel like I need to do in a day with God. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, does that make sense? Am I being horrible? No, no not at all. I mean, I just feel like that. No, it like, makes sense. I think a lot of people feel but that But I feel way. like I'm well, judged for it. Like, by, by my family and by the church by church family, I feel like, Angie and Jeff don't you. go to church. They've backslidden. That's bullcrap. No, I haven't. I'm more closer with God now than I've been in a long time. And I might be, Joyce, closer to God than you are. And you go to church every time the doors are open. You know? I don't know who Joyce is. I made her up. I was going to say, is Joyce, do we have a problem with Joyce? Isn't she married to Brandon? (laughs) Yes, that Joyce. That too. I was trying to figure that out. Uh, No, no, no. That's that's completely legit. I I feel like every religion, I keep looking at you, Jeff, since you studied it. That was a long time ago. But at its absolute base level, Every organized religion has as a central tenet, be a decent freaking human being. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that's the universal the thing be, with, with any legitimate. Be a good, decent human being. Right, right. Help yeah. out those less fortunate. Be humble. Service. Be a good Samaritan. Yeah. It's, exactly. Every religion that's true. has that as a core tenet. Yes. That's true. Uh, every religion. I mean, that's, I agree. That's, that's true. When you study, when you look at all the religions, that's what you see is. Do you, and, the, the thing is, it gets perverted by people. That's the problem. And, and, and that's the problem I have with religion and churches, which I think there are churches. That, I think churches, no matter what religion, Catholic, Protestant, of course, Protestant, we've got every type of denomination you can think of. I think there are churches that do insanely great things for their world, for for their communities, that have wonderful pastors and leaders and priests and monks that that lead. But the problem is is that, that any time that we have an organization, we have a hierarchy. And when we have a hierarchy, we get egos involved. And if you grew up in a church like I grew up in a church, you got people fighting over who's going to be the Sunday school superintendent, who's going to be on the board, who's going to be, and then it becomes to who gives the most. And if you don't do this, I'm taking my, I'm not going to give, or I'm going to go down the street. You know, it just. Oh my gosh, the cross got moved to the other side of the stage. Right, and it comes to politics in the church, and you're thinking, we're the main thing we're supposed to be doing is helping people, right? It's like. That's the example I was given from my grandfather. You know what I mean? That's why I don't even like talking about it because I get well, emotional because I watched him bring bums in to big services and people would be go tell him, there's this guy on the back row that stinks and he's making noise. And he's like, yeah, I'm the one that brought him in the church. He needs Christ like you do. You know what I mean? And it's like, wake up, people. So... Along those lines, one year in high school, I had Father Egan. <laughs> Father Egan cracked me up. He was a drunk, but I love <laughs> Father Egan. And we were, t- we were covering the Mass. And the Mass, if you haven't been to a Catholic Mass, there's a lot of ritual. Right. A lot of tradition to the Mass. From the opening song, which can be anything... To the closing, there's just a lot of ritual, heavy, heavy symbol, etc. 
And I'll never forget, because I'm obviously how many years later saying this, we were talking about the Holocaust and religion and Catholics were actually caught up in the Holocaust. Everyone thinks it was just Jewish people. They were the main target, not the only ones. Um, and Father Egan said something that stuck with me, which was at the absolute heart of the Mass. Like if you boil it down to its absolute crucial is when the priest holds up the host and then the, the chalice with the wine and says, this is my, this is my body and this is my blood. In the Catholic faith, which sets it apart from every other Christian faith, is a concept called transubstantiation. Because everybody, every other Christian faith believes that the host, the bread, and the, the wine is symbolic of Christ's body and blood. In the Catholic faith, what happens at that moment is transubstantiation, and the wine becomes the blood of Christ, and the bread becomes the body of Christ. So that's the absolute core of the Catholic theology. And Father Egan said, do you think that if there was somebody who wasn't a priest in a concentration camp who had a, a scrap of moldy, crusty bread, but truly believed, held it up and said, this is the body, do you think that's not, transubstantiation doesn't happen right there? Of course it does. And I'm like, wait a second, what? What about what about all the the yeah, other you have, stuff? You have, we have to, to sit through, through the hour long mass. What yeah. about the the priest who has to go through all that training and be mm -hmm. ordained? And it's like no, it just like it washed away all this crap mm -hmm. can be washed away. It's just trappings mm -hmm. down to the core nuggets. For the Catholic faith, mm -hmm. and I feel like religion. I think when you that's wash for away, anything. There's a show. What? What? Mm -hmm. You wash away the crap in religion. One of the core things that's left is be a decent freaking human being. Mm -hmm. Be kind. Be a kind human being right. to others. Right. Uh, question. In right? yeah, no, you're 100 percent right. You all use real wine, correct? Yes. Which I think is pretty cool. No, it's not that it's cool. I think that it's accurate. I think that it's a true representation. We use grape juice because we don't drink, which I think is hilarious. Like pretty funny. We yeah. use grape juice. It's so weird to me. I'm Jesus's like, first miracle in the Bible was what? Turning water into wine. Not only wine, but extremely really strong, good wine. Apparently, good. Oh, wine. but no. But what my mom always explained to her when I tried to pull that out, she's like, "Well, it wasn't like the wine that you're thinking." I'm like, so you're thinking that it's grape juice that we get in church? Yeah, basically. I just remember that, and I mean that. So I, weird. I learned in when I was studying it. I remember our teacher, and I'm Nazarene church. It's very, very strict about like black. Like I grew up thinking if I drank, I would end up in a gutter. Absolutely, me too. Dead. Like I scare tactics. Seriously, it's to true. The, no, if you drink, I mean, I remember seeing people from my church. Like I remember being John, like in in a convenience store. When I was out with somebody, I was probably a young teen, and I hid. I saw him getting a 12-pack of beer, and it? I went home. Who was it? Who was it? Oh, okay. And I thought, I went home and literally was like, because it was life. my dad's, one of his best friends. I was like, he was getting beer. He's going to hell. Yeah. I can't, I, he can't go to hell. You know, like, are well, you going to do something about even, this? Even like curse he words. He sings in the choir. He's like, what? He's going to go to hell. He's, it's honestly, I felt that way. That's I how, felt that way. You too. think it's funny, but that's how we were brought up. But then I remember going back to the the the, the water and the wine. I, I do think it's funny, but it's like tragically funny. Yeah. But, but am I not? Is it not similar to other ritualistic things symbolically in the Catholic Church? Things that you think that's the way the world works, and you got to have this before you can have that. Well, again, I, I, I told you I was formed by the Jesuits, and I swear by the Jesuits. Right. Even though I went to, I went on to Catholic University, it right. was not Jesuit. I still I swear by the Jesuits. Again, Father Egan, another thing I remember, he was talking about Jesus as a teenager. Of course, we have him up to 12, appears in the temple, right. and there's almost nothing between 12 and 30 mm -hmm. when he starts his ministry, right? And Father Egan said, you don't think he peed in his neighbor's bushes? <laughs> he, was he, a he was a boy. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, because he was, he was human. Yeah. Right. So we acted like a teenage boy. Like Nate. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Which was like, yeah, he was a kid. He was a typical teenager. When I think that's what the, when I was, when I was talking about the story about my religion class when we were studying and we were doing what's called exegesis where you really dug in and you tore scriptures apart, you went to the Greek level, you looked at translations and how it could be translated so many different ways. But I remember that the teacher, I think he liked knowing that all of us came from Nazarene churches and Nazarene homes probably, and he knew he could shock us. But he was like, you know when it says here that they had to take a week off after that wedding? Like They were like, Jesus and his disciples were like look we're out for a few weeks like we're gonna go here and we're just gonna sleep he said it's because they were hung over it's because <laughs> the wine was so good that they got carried away and they had too much fun for that long wedding and they drank too much wine and they needed to rest up and we were all like what, what? <gasps> not not my jesus well think about the last supper okay right what think about your reaction if you were told or if you knew because you had been told right dude soldiers are coming for you and soldiers are going to come and they're going to arrest you and chances are you're going to be convicted and executed so when you sit down to the last supper do i want grape juice why do I do I want the strongest right. damn alcoholic Seriously. drink I can get? <laughs> well, to right. me, it's well, like you know it was wine at the Last Supper. Oh. People, I'm going to be Jesus, very... who's human, knew right. what was coming. Going, oh, this is going to need something yeah. to calm him down. You, you, or you could just be proud. That's the way I see it. It's it's all posturing. It's all saying, just like growing up, it's that mindset. You don't need, you don't don't question things. You're weak. You know, you don't believe in God enough, right? Or, or you know, coming up, it's like, you don't need counseling. You don't need marital You don't need counseling. You, you just, which we totally don't believe. It's like, you can't get as close to God as you need to because you probably need to talk to somebody. You need some help, right? You can't just say, if you're a stronger Christian, if you're closer to God, Maybe well, you, maybe you wouldn't have these problems. That's what they. That's what. That's why. Okay. That. I don't all think the church down. is much like that now. Maybe, but <laughs> I know. I think it all boils when we were down. Younger, it all, that's what it all boils down to. That's the reason why I don't really want to walk into the building with all of that. I don't want to walk into the building. I think they're hypocrites. I think they're very judgmental. I've seen it firsthand. This is not what I. This is not what I'm making up in my mind. This is what I've seen. My even family do. And I've seen. The elderly in the church do this, hypocritical, very judgmental, and I can't, I can't do it. I can't, I can't do it. And you know, my mom, you know, she's like, you gotta have the kids in the church. I don't agree because I want them to be free thinking individuals that are spiritual. Period. Like I don't want them to grow up thinking because you say a curse word, you're going to hell, because that's what we thought. Well, and I think we that's thought, where, yeah. Hold yeah. on, we thought that, like we. How many times did my parents fight and my, my dad could bring the worst out into my mom and she was also, she was never, never cursed, never said a curse word, but my dad could bring it out in her. And so I'd hear her and my dad and they're fighting and she'd be like, fuck you. And I would be like crying. Like you said, right. when you saw that certain person yeah. getting beer, She's my mom's, yes, yeah. <laughs> it's funny, but it's not. I mean, I did, I would stay up at night. My stomach would hurt. I would feel sick. I would pray. She doesn't know what she's saying. She doesn't know what she's saying. Please forgive her. Please forgive her. And Jesus, God's probably laughing like, girl, calm down. Yeah, like, I it's got fine. this. It's okay. Like that word, what is that word? Like that word didn't exist back in the day. Like did, did that word fuck actually exist at the Last Supper? You know what I'm saying? Like we, that's, like, that is a human made word. You know what I mean? Like that, that didn't. So that's why yeah. I am how I am. And that's why I don't. I want my kids to learn about spirituality from me and from what they gather from their own world and what God instills in them and and does to them. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that's my opinion on, and I don't, I think that's great. I think there's a huge commitment just like in school. It's, there's a huge, there's gotta be a huge commitment from the leadership in your home 
to not to take the front seat and take charge if you're going to attend church with your turn about whatever religion you're part of but you've got to be the one to lead at home you can't lean on the church to teach them everything you've got to be able to say because there's influences in the church there's the, the the sunday school teacher who's like the nun who's going to be you know no i was a sunday you, school teacher for a long time I, I was too i was on the board i was Angela was the she was the the, I was the, the children's, children's minister in Atlanta. At the I wasn't a minister. Don't. Think. All right, you're the children's. Don't get exaggeratory. But that's what you were. I except you're right. not allowed to, allowed to be because you're a woman, and you know, you no, let I, you women be ministers. So. I, I was the children's leader. <laughs> you're weird. But you were. You were the ch- children's pastor. Is what they called you. I know, and I hated it. And I told, I told our pastor. I said, take. I no, he didn't call me that after a while. That's I said, right. Take already that title didn't. Off. Yeah, he took. I did not study for that. I am not. I am not licensed for that. I'm not certified for that. I am leading the children. See, I. I'm all for putting in quote marks, making your children go to your church into high school. And then kind of like many other things, I mean, you, you've experienced it, I've experienced it. In high school, there is a gradual letting go process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Think of like a rocket going into space and you have the separation mm-hmm. <laughs> and they have right. to go on their own. Mm-hmm. And and I know I'm I'm in this you know faith based state now. My kids do not like the Catholic Church, and they are not going to any church yet whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But I am I have faith that they have absorbed tenants, and they're good human beings, mm-hmm. right? And that eventually gravity is going to pull them down into some church. Mm-hmm. What church that is, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But they're they're good people, mm-hmm. and I hope that they find their way for, on a spiritual basis mm-hmm. eventually. Yeah, that's the light I hope for my kids too. Yeah, and that's I think that's where the right church plays a good part for people who need yes. direction. They need Absolutely. somewhere to sure. have a group. And they need to be and – and that's what – I think that's how we've always been. If we decide we're going to church – Everybody's going to church. Well, the people who live in our house, like, it, said, like right? No, that's what I'm saying. I mean, if we if we start if we're like every Sunday we're going to church, Nate's going. To, he's getting up. He's going to church. Right. So that's just how it is. Oh, definitely, one hundred percent. But and we don't go. That's so. my kids we go have, with me every Christmas when they're home. Yeah. Right, and we'll go Easter and we'll go Christmas. So and why we'll do go, we do that? Like, I, I don't. Why I, do we do that? I don't know because you want to go. But why do I want to go? Like, why do I, I do I that? I don't know. Oh, don't, don't be know. critical of it. If you want to go, you want to go. But, yeah, I, but, yeah. I, but I don't, I'm not saying that I do. I think I'm doing it for other people. And that makes me mad at myself. I think I'm going oh, for my yeah, mom. You got to do it for yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I'm going for my mom. And da, 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 da. I see, yeah, I see why you're but, upset. Yeah. But you know what? Actually, if you are going for your mom, that's not a bad thing No, either. it's not. And, and I totally agree with that. It's not. That's I true. Would, and I do I ever regret going? No, I don't. If you were going to be seen... If you're going to check a box, if right. you're going because otherwise so-and-so is going to nah. talk smack. Oh, I don't care. Yeah. No. But if you're going for your mom I'm and going your mom for her. is happy. Yeah. yeah, if it helps and makes her and, happy. And, and when we go, do I ever regret it and feel horrible about going? No, I always feel great. Like, I mean, most of the time I always feel that great. weird? Yeah, like I'm like, oh, that was nice. It's like going to the gym. It's like I don't want to go. But once you get there, you're like, this is, this is a good thing. Yeah. I'm glad so, I went. I can't believe we're talking about religion. I, I said I would never do this on podcast. Oh, I love it. Religion you're, and you're politics. In. And here we are, religion talk, which I would much rather talk about religion than Blame politics. Blame it on me. It is. It's your fault. If we talk, it's a whatever. good. I mean, I think the, we're the day I talk about I politics. Think this is the stuff day people think about, over. though. I think this is what people struggle with. Is yeah, with no matter what church they go to, there's always issues. There's always things they struggle with. Well, and again, that's why I kept coming. I keep coming back to once you just. Dis- Still, religion, which in our society today is such a, a triggering word, sure, because so many, so many churches, and I put that in specific, not Catholic church, but I mean, actual congregations have become so politicized uh-huh. that religion now is kind of a triggering word. But I think when you take just religion as a very in small r religion or small c church. In its broadest sense, and you dis- distill it down, it's just about the human condition. Be a decent human being. 
Right. Believe that there is pro- probably something greater than what you can right. fathom or understand at work. Right. And we all, I this think is going back to you know, thousands of years of the first Homo sapiens, we would all like to think that this is not, that when we die, that's not it. It's like, no, right. I remember when I was a kid, I had my, you were talking about nightmares. Mm-hmm. You know what kept me up as a kid more than anything? What? Like a nightmare. Trying to get through my tiny little 10 year old mind the concept of forever. Mm. Oh, good God. Yeah. Forever until the end of time when I could go to heaven or hell. Mm-hmm. But how long is forever? That kept me up. That, mm. that would keep me up at night trying to work through things like that because we all like to think that, you know what? That's, that's not it. Right. It's funny you say that because I, I, the night that I got saved, so we say, um, asked Jesus into my heart, so we say, um, I went to church, it was a Sunday night, and it was a different pastor, it was a visitor, and he, it was like hell and brimstone, like it was like scary, scary stuff, it, yeah. like, you're gonna go to hell, do you wanna burn? Like that kind of thing, you and I'm like, promise not to dance to the rock and roll music, seriously. which is nothing but the devil's own play. That's thing. right, and he was yelling, and it scared Emotional. me to death. So scared me to death. I was a seven year old kid. I was seven years old. So I went home that night, and I was laying in my bed, and I was like, "Well, what if Bigfoot comes and gets me tonight?" I was afraid of Bigfoot. I thought the reason I got saved, I didn't want to go to hell. And I thought the person who was going to take me there was Bigfoot. So I went down. I was seven. Okay, I was seven. Not 17, mind you. So I went downstairs and I told my mom. I'll never forget. I was like, I'm gonna, I want to ask Jesus into my heart. And she's like, oh, that's so great. What made you make that decision? I was like, I'm just, uh, I don't want Bigfoot to take me. And she laughed. But that's what, that's why I, I that's how. Hey, I look, they scared you in. It's the, it's it the way to do it. it. It worked for me. I was like, like, I do not. But it was like he's saying, because I, but I had took that grasp of when I die or whatever happens to me, where do I want to spend forever? And, right. and I, I was like, well, I don't want to get, I don't, don't want to go there. No, so. it's a pretty bad place from what they say. You know what I'm going to do now? What? My mission for the next week is to find a meme of Bigfoot dressed as a nun. <laughs> Like, oh, I'm not afraid. Listen, I'm not afraid of Bigfoot. Like that's not even like uh, that wasn't a fear. But for some reason, in my little seven year old mind, I thought it was real. And I thought, well, shoot, there's woods right back there. Like I go, I go through the woods to see my friends every day. Like, what if you? Because we did me, that back then. Right? Like seven year olds could walk through the woods to go see their friends. At least in Kentucky, we could. <laughs> and oh, we I'm like, what if there's a tree knock? <laughs> Right, yeah, you never know. So anyway, but that's what got me because I was thinking about where I want to spend forever. I wasn't probably thinking of it in the in the in the like education, but like I I was like, whoa. We were all scared to death at some point from these but you know evangelical this, preachers that the, just beat know, it into. But at you. the same time, I'm thankful for him because right, you he, know, I'm glad that I did he pushed it. You over, but pushed whatever, in the deep end. So. Well, it's like when you, well, maybe not in your college experience, but my college experience, all the things I promised to God when I was drunk over a <laughs> ride oh, driving the horse drink bus. again. Oh, God, if you only, if you only get me through this, yes. I promise I'll A, B, and C. How do we, we all oh, done that. Goodness, I mean, even to this day as an adult, I'm like, I'll never do this again. Please help me. You got to believe God is up there going to. He's I'm not going to hold you to it. You're drunk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, whatever. Talk okay. to me in the morning. I've heard this four billion times. Talk yeah. to me in the morning, Angie. It's okay. My son got a little tipsy at the last supper. <laughs> you're good. I understand. Yeah, it's okay. Oh, my gosh. Speaking I think, of, I need a refill. Well, uh, one thing I was going to say, going back to just being a good, decent person, I think that's one thing that I can say. If someone said, how can I know God? How can I connect to God? For me, I would say, and I know it does it for me, go do something good for somebody that can't do it for themselves. If you help somebody, if you do something good, it connects you. It gives you a feeling that's better than almost anything than you can feel. And I think that's a feeling of connecting with God. Yeah. I think that's what we're meant to do and we don't do it enough because our we're so egocentric especially in the united states i mean to 
be able to help people or to do something good. And I'm going to make it even simpler than that. Because again, I distill it to the absolute simplest, which is just be a decent human being. Right. Mm-hmm. Because you say go and do something. I think you can just not proactively seek out. But if you just go through life, every day you will have an opportunity to be a decent oh, I agree. Absolutely. human being Absolutely. to another person. And you- whether it's opening a door. Yep. Whether it's do you need help with that. Whether it's smiling. Mm-hmm. I agree. That's where I'm morning, going. Yes. Which costs absolutely nothing yeah. it's actually better for you you get more out of it that's my point it's absolutely you get more out of doing something for somebody else and i think that's what somebody said to me once about for people that are depressed or down i say get up and go go be a good person and it's just go do something good for it for you don't some. have to go and volunteer someplace right you but if you're sitting to- on your couch depressed sad and struggling Find somewhere to volunteer. Find somewhere to go and give. That way you will feel better. Or guaranteed. Again, even simpler, you could be walking through Walmart. Mm-hmm. Sure. And be a absolutely. Good human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. You should be. But yeah. Yeah, you should have that mindset going into your day. I think that's. I didn't. Yeah. I wasn't a very good human being this morning on the phone with that man. That's all right. You get another shot. I was not very nice. He was not very nice to me. Sometimes you just need to lay the law down. <laughs> but most of the time I am a good human being. I believe that 100%. Like just the simple things, like you said, like the smile, the compliment, like in the last compliment that I gave, to, not the last compliment I gave, but the one that stuck out into my mind was that lady at freaking at GNC. I was, she, she was, pay, I'll tell the story and then we can stop. I, I, she was paying and she seemed, I don't, I don't think the word upset is there is right, but something's not right. But I did notice her hair, and it was very pretty. It was very pretty. The color was very pretty, and it was because it was different. It was a different color. And I looked at her, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, your hair color is beautiful. It looks so good on you." And she put everything down. She was like, "That's literally the nicest thing that anybody said to me all week," and she started to tear up. I genuinely said it because I genuinely meant it, but. I could have kept that in because how often do you think something about someone and you don't say it like you, cause you're like, Oh, that might sound weird. Like, well, and it might sound weird to some people, but I'm just saying like, say it, like say it, do it. You know what I mean? If they take offense to it, then that's on them because you know, your intentions, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Right. Obviously don't be creepy. Like, Oh, I think that woman's hot. Let me go hug her. Hey, I don't girl. mean that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, cat call some people. Yeah. <laughs> well, cat call some people tomorrow. Make them feel good. I just want to make you feel good. You look good. <laughs> but no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, you know, but no, it's true. It's true. But let's oh get gosh, some refills for Jesus. About religion. This is so weird for me. It is weird. It was like a good it. talk, Blame though. Me. Blame me. It, it was a good talk. I like it. Between Catholics and you're a Catholic. <laughs> I'm just kidding, yeah, Michael. Really. <laughs> just joking. I've been called worse. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure far you better looking. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. This was fun. All right. We're out. Good stuff. Refills for Jesus.